We're continuing our series in the book of Acts, and so today I'll be reading from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. The title of this uh, section is The Lame Beggar Healed. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man, lame from birth, was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask for alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Um, Good morning. As a church community, we've been walking through the book of Acts. It's been about... A month now, and really to reimagine what it means to be Jesus' community together uh, in midst of this pandemic, midst of what the future church will look like, we thought it would be a wonderful idea to be able to return to the original church and see how we ought to move on, move forward from here. But we said in our in our introduction of the Book of Acts, we said the Book of Acts speaks of a revolution. It depicts life in the disrupting presence of the Spirit of God, right? Luke, a trained physician, he was a doctor, a missionary partner of Paul. He gives us a window to the first 30 years of the church, the birth and how the church, this Jesus movement, went forward to become what it is today. So today we're in the third chapter of Luke's work, We're not going to go over the whole book of Acts in 2021. We're going to actually break up the book of Acts to four years. We're going to cover seven chapters this year. So we're halfway there. We're going to cover seven chapters next year and year on and on. And so so we are halfway in our series in 2021, the book of Acts. Today we're in the third chapter of Luke's work. And we, we see, we're introduced to a man who has been paralyzed since birth. So Peter and John, Jesus' disciples, make their way towards the temple for a prayer meeting, right? This was a normal thing. Every day at 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, there were prayer meetings at the temple. And Peter and John were going to the temple like we were on our way to church this morning. And they encounter a man who has been paralyzed since birth. And this man's story is heartbreaking, And terribly sad, right? Every day, could you imagine being this man? Every day is a struggle. Like he couldn't go anywhere without someone's help. 
without someone carrying him, right? Every day someone had to carry this man from where he was staying to the gate of the temple so he could sit outside and beg to live another day. That was his life. A lot of pain, a lot of suffering. Like past two months, I don't know if you guys know, I've been experiencing a lot of back pain. Um, I, got, I got an MRI because it was just not going away. I thought it was my leg. I, I had a lot of back pain, my leg pain, and it wasn't going away. So I got my MRI only to find out I have ruptured disc. My, my, my disc between, I think, four and five has been ruptured and was touching all these nerves. It wasn't a leg injury. It was actually my back injury. And for past, like, last two, three weeks, just getting up out of bed has been painful. Like, every morning I wake up in pain, like 2 a.m., I'm waking up because I'm in so much pain. And just getting out of the bed was, is so hard. And I had to lean a lot on my wife Lois. Lois aged like 10 years last two weeks because she had to take care of a lot of things that I was doing. And it was humbling and deeply frustrating to depend on Lois for everything that, that I've been doing, right? Thankfully, this week, I was able to receive some treatment. I did a minor procedure, and I'm on the way to recovery. So please, I'm, I'm wearing this thing for the next couple of weeks, but please pray for healing. But just, just, just a month of pain, ruptured disc. It's hard, it's humbling, it's painful. But imagine being this, this man in chapter 3. That was this man's life. And because of the dire circumstance that we find this man in, it's hard for you and I, when we read this story, to think that this man is really a picture of you and I. He's so extremely in pain. His life and his story is so heartbreaking. It's so easy for us to quickly pass by without recognizing the story of this man is a lot like our story. You see, this man in our story, this paralyzed man from birth, represents not just painful reality of life, but reality of wounds that you and I have also carried in our own journey of what we call life. But the only difference between this man's pain, this man's wound, and ours, is that his wounds are laid before for everyone else to see. No matter how hard he tries, he cannot hide them. He cannot hide his reality of life because he needs help with anything and everything. Yet that the reality is when we look at life, when we think about our own lives, we all have our own set of wounds and, and, and pain points. Maybe not as obvious as this man, but you and I have them. Some of our wounds that we've been carrying for years and years are from our painful childhood. Some of these wounds have been formed in our relationship with parents, siblings, and friends. For many of us, we have wounds that we don't even know that was there until life and the intensity of life reveals them to us. And for the most part, what do we do? We do our best to try to deal with them in the best way we know. Yet often, it's these unhealed, undealt wounds that keep us addicted, codependent, angry, aloof, afraid to truly engage life as we should. Often, it's these unhealed wounds that we carry 
keep us from growing, pursuing, and experiencing genuine relationship with God and with others. You see, whenever our family gets together, my side of the family, they're in the States. Whenever we get together, my family, Lois becomes extremely nervous. Um, whenever she's around us, right, just our dynamic between my mom, my sister, my dad, she gets extremely nervous. And like most families, my family isn't without its set of challenges. And a lot of it has to do with undealt, unhealed wounds that exist in our dynamic. See, I didn't grow up in a home where we shared our feelings. We're encouraged to talk about how we can do better. My parents moved to a foreign country without much money, much support, much connection, and they, they did all they can to give us a better future. Yet because the, re, the reality of immigrant life, we didn't have much time or space together to be able to sit down, go on vacation, and have family meetings to share how we felt about things. Often what we had to do was we had to move on to survive as a family. It's only now that I'm married and I have children of my own, I have a better understanding of what it must have felt like for my parents to move the whole family to such a young age without much money, much connection, much resources. I can see how difficult life would have been for my parents, even for my sister. Yet there are still undealt, unhealed wounds that prevent us from growing deeper in our relationship. And that's what makes Lois really nervous. So pray for our family. Pray for my back, pray for my family. There we go. But verse 2, this man, though he was carried from the temple gate every day, he could not enter those gates. Luke is very clear about the placement of this man. He is carried to the gate, but he is never allowed to be in. Right? He, his wounds, his pain, his, his reality has prevented him from experiencing all the joy and the blessings that was part of what was happening in the temple. In the same way, when we think about our lives and our struggles and our wounds, it's often our unhealed wounds that also keep us from experiencing true joy and blessings that God wants us to experience in our own lives. And the Bible makes it clear, right? It's, it's kind of hard to identify what this means, right? But the Bible makes it clear from Genesis to Revelation, the origin of the wounds, all of our wounds that we carry are caused by this thing called sin. Genesis 3, ever since Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and take what God said, do not take, and, and, and to really live for their own glory instead of God's, our humanity has been marred with this sinful nature. We've been born with this nature called sin. And the only remedy for this sinful nature is actually death, right? The result of sin was death. Death was introduced because of our sin. And Jesus, the Son of God, He took on Death, that's the gospel, right? Took on death, and, and even death could not hold him down. And it's only through Jesus and his righteousness that we are carried from death unto life. 
This is precisely what Peter says in verses 12 to 26 in our passage. Peter gets up and he explains to people what's, what's happening, and, and we'll get there. But before we get there, we got to look at this man's interaction with Peter and John a little more. So verse 3, the man in our story sees Peter and John walking to the temple. He calls out, asking Peter and John for some help, for some money. Maybe perhaps so he could get some lunch or dinner. And verse 4, Peter and John stops. To this man's surprise, they stop. And in the passage, verse 4 tells us, Peter looked straight at him. That's what ESV says. King James Version. I like King James Version here. Peter fastened his eyes upon the man. You see, throughout this passage, this action of looking at someone is repeated. If you, if you look at this whole story, there is this interaction that Luke is doing. He's pointing out this action of people being looked at and people looking, eyes connecting. There's all these things going on that Luke does not want us to miss. And this idea, what Luke is not saying is Peter and John just simply looked at, looked at him to talk to him. No, this is significant for Luke. Because imagine how many days Imagine how many people every day, how many people would have passed this man by without making eye contact, without, with avoiding eye contact with this man, pretending to not see or hear. But we, we, we're in Itaewon, we're by the station, there's someone who's obviously hurting or need of money, what do we do? It's, it's hard for us to look at the person. We may want to give something, but it's hard to look at the person in their eyes because what? It is, it is painful. It is painfully difficult. But this is important, right? The fact that Peter and John stops and looks at this man and says, look at us. That's what the passage says. They're letting this man know that his suffering, his pain, his agony is not ignored. He's letting these people know, letting this man know his suffering is not unseen. His pain is not unseen. His agony is not unseen that they see him. For once, this man's wounds and pain and suffering is not ignored or dehumanized. I mean, think back to your week this week. How many interactions have you had this week where you were talking to somebody and people had their eyes on something else. Or someone was speaking to you and you failed to look at them because you were distracted by something or some other, other things. But when we look at the ministry of Jesus throughout the gospel, Jesus had this amazing ability to look at people in their eyes, not in a creepy way, but he was, you see, when we see Jesus, he was never in a hurry. He was busy. Many people came to see him, but he was never in a hurry to look past somebody. He always took time to let people know that they matter. The bleeding woman, his interaction with the bleeding woman. There's a huge crowd. Someone touches Jesus, and Jesus says, I see you, woman. The blind man, the Samaritan woman, the group of men with leprosy, right? Jesus saw them even when they, they did not want to be seen. John 4, the Samaritan woman comes to the well. Jesus waits for her and Jesus wants to engage her. And she says, I just want to get my water and go. 
friends, this is the ministry, true ministry of Jesus and true ministry of what it means to be followers of Jesus. This is something you and I can actually do today, right? To see our coworkers, our children, our spouse, and our friends, the ministry of seeing, seeing those who are hurting, seeing those who are in pain, seeing those who are broken. But every day we pass by tens and thousands of people on our way to work, to school, in the subway, in the bus, to go wherever we go, ignoring, not seeing the very things that Jesus wants you and I to see. Friends, God has called you and I into ministry of reconciliation, and that ministry begins when we are willing to see what Jesus wants to show us. Amen? So Peter and John is filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit is in them. This is post-Pentecost chapter 2. Spirit had come, and this is chapter 3. And Peter and John now filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit awakens their eyes to see the world as Jesus saw the world. Because... In this passage, Peter and John could have just said, well, we're busy. We're going to be late for church or, or here's some cash. Go buy yourself some lunch. They could have made these excuses. You know, they stop. They listen. They look at this man. And because of their willingness to take their time to see this man, his life is forever changed. So verse 5, the man hearing Peter, right? So the man, Peter and John stops because the man asks for something. And Peter and John looks at the man. And now the man is maybe looking down. And Peter and John says, look at us. And the man now, now, now hearing Peter fixes his eyes on Peter. Expecting to receive something from them, right? Verse 5. Verse 7, Peter looks at the man and he says the famous line. We've, we, we know this passage. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. You see, Luke is, is, is very clear about what Peter and John doesn't have. Peter is very clear about what he doesn't possess in this passage. He doesn't have money. He doesn't have means of his own to help this man or provide for this man. But he says, let me give you what I have. Now the focus of the text comes to what do they have? You see, at the end of Matthew's gospel, the risen Jesus gathers his disciples for the last speech before he goes, to, goes back to heaven. And Jesus tells him these very words. Matthew 28, 19, 20, the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. In my name, in my authority, go. Mark's version of the same story Jesus says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, you will cast out demons. In my name, you will speak new languages. In my name, you will heal the sick and they will be healed. You see, what Peter and John can offer to this man is very clear in this passage. It is what is the authority of Jesus. It is the name of Jesus. 
And here, in, 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 in that Matthew and Mark's passage, here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, disciples, my friends, I have taken back the authority that Satan has robbed us of. And therefore, nothing, when you go in my name, my authority, nothing can truly harm you. Nothing can truly defeat you. Nothing can truly stand in your way. So when Peter and, Peter and John commands this man to get up and walk, he isn't commanding this man by his own authority. Because he has no authority over sickness. Peter is just a mere man. But Peter says, I know I got nothing to offer you. But I got Jesus. This is why verse 6, again, he says, In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. So the man hearing these words, and Peter actually, the, the text tells us, Peter actually reaches out with his right hand and grabs this man up. Right? He, he jumps, right? And, and he walks, and there is this excitement and joy. He's jumping out of joy. And as soon as he can walk, what does Luke tell, tell us? Where does the man go to as soon as he can walk? He walks into the temple. He walks through the temple gate into the celebration, the joy, and the blessings. You see, the man who has been forced to sit outside of these gates for years and years, 40-some years, he now being healed in the name of Jesus, by authority of Jesus, he can walk in. And rejoice and join in and experience the life that God has given him. So friends, this passage is really speaking about freedom, right? It's about freedom and healing and forgiveness. And that can only be possible when we come to Jesus and trust in his name. So the authority that Peter and John displays in our passage is made and that same authority that Peter and John displays in our passage has made available to us, right? That's what the scripture says. And, and, and I think often when we struggle with sin or when we struggle with whatever we're struggling with, the lie that we want to believe is that we have no power to overcome. That we have no authority over sin or darkness. We have no authority over whatever that's been holding us hostage. Yet our passage is very clear. The authority that we have over darkness, over sin, over Satan, over demons is not actually from us or what we can muster up. It comes from trusting in Jesus and his name. Let me wrap up our time by verse 11. So as this man who is now healed walks into the temple with Peter and John, the pastor says he clung onto Peter and John. Quickly, a large crowd begins to form around them. Right? Obviously, people are looking at this man. They've seen this man standing or sitting by the gate every day. Now they are in shock and unbelief that this man is able to jump and walk around. So Peter looks back at the crowd that's been formed. And what does he say? Verse 12, he says, Why are you staring at us as if we had healed this man? Throughout this passage, there is this interaction of look at me, look at us, don't look at us. This is going back and forth. Right? And Peter now in verse 12 says, why are you looking at us as if I have healed this man? Remember, it's Jesus, it's his power, his authority, his name that's given him this healing. So friends, as we read through 
Acts 3 and hear the words of Peter, this is the ministry that we have been called into. It's the ministry of, everyone say pointing. It's pointing, right? Pointing others to Christ. Remember John chapter 1? When John the Baptist comes out of nowhere and begins to baptize people in the Jordan River and these religious leaders, Jewish leaders, go to John because they're scared of what this man is doing. And they ask John, who are you? By what authority are you baptizing these people? And John chapter 1, the first thing John tells these people is not who he is, but it is actually who he is not. Look at John chapter 1. He says, I am not. That's what he says. I am not the Savior. I am not the healer. I am not the Messiah. I am simply here to point you guys to the true Messiah, true healer. So friends, this is really not only your call, but my call. This is call of this local body, right, to point people to Christ. And this is why Paul, in, in his letter to the second, in 2 second Corinthians, in, in his letter to the Corinthian church, he says in chapter 4, verse 7, we have this treasure. Paul says, yes, we have this treasure that we've been given. But this treasure is actually contained in this jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs not to us there's nothing we, we are just broken jars of clay broken hurting defected jars of clay and and God has chosen to allow us to carry him because at the end the glory goes back to him and not to us so as we approach this week I want to encourage you. Let's recommit to this call, this ministry, this story of, 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 of being willing to see, being willing to engage, willing to direct people to the true Savior. And I'm confident as you slow down, as you take time, as you listen to the Spirit and obey, God's going to do wonderful things in your workplace, in your homes, in your relationships. Because again, we talked about Book of Acts. This is not just history. This is not something that's happened. I'm going to look back and say, that was awesome. But this is what's happening today. Book of Acts has not ended in chapter 28. Book of Acts continues through our lives. We are jars of clay. So as we prepare for this week, let me just pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this reminder, this calling to slow down and see the things that you want us to see, to engage with people that you want us to engage to point people to not our greatness, to not our achievements, to not what we can do, but to point people following the ministry of John the Baptist to say, look at Christ. That if anyone is hurting, if anyone is struggling, if 
we know we have wounds that we have been carrying. Just as this man got up trusting in your healing power, we, we get up this morning, Lord. Some of these wounds have been with us for years and years. Some of these wounds are complex. Some of these wounds we felt like we've overcome and they come back. But Holy Spirit, we ask this day that you would continue to do your wonderful healing work in each of us so that we can continue to obey and point others to the feet of the cross. Lord, use us to speak. We want to make ourselves available. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.